Well, good morning, everyone. Here's a Bible trivia question for you. Which woman gets the most mentions in the Bible? And some might think of the Virgin Mary or Mary Magdalene. Some think of Deborah in the Old Testament or even Jezebel. But actually, I'll give you a clue. The woman I'm talking about is probably the most beautiful woman in the world. And she kept her looks well into old age. I'm, of course, talking about Sarah, the husband of Abraham, and she gets more mentions than anybody else. But I've never heard a sermon on her, and that's a shame because her story is amazing. It's a real journey through life, and there's so much we can learn from her. She's the first woman mentioned in the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame. She had times of strong faith. She had times when she blew it, just like we do. And First Peter chapter 3 says she's to be a role model. And in these COVID times when faith for many people is being challenged, there's a lot we can learn. Her, her, her background is that uh, she married Abraham and then when she was over 50, uh, they left uh, the Chaldean city of Ur in um, southern Iraq and um, with Abraham's father and uh, Abraham and Lot and the whole tribe, they, they moved to a place called Haran. And there they settled for a period. But God had spoken to Abraham. And uh, so they left there and they decided to go south towards Canaan. Now, the interesting thing is that they journeyed for years and years and years. They didn't get there overnight. And I think if you work it out, Sarah probably spent over 40 years living in tents. And she and uh, Abraham had lots of ups and downs. They survived famines, they prospered generally, they settled in Canaan, as I said. And her story is a story of trust. She had to trust Abraham. And um, if you think about it, there's no record of God speaking to her. Her story starts Genesis 12. There's no record of God speaking to her till Genesis 18. So we assume God just spoke to Abraham. And just picture the conversation that Abraham comes along to her one day and says, come on, love, pack up, we're leaving. She said, what? I'm leaving my friends and my family. I'm leaving everything I know. Yeah, why? Well, a God speak, spoken to me. It's a new God, a new God. Um, well, what does he look like? Have you got a, have you got an idol? Well, no, no, we're not not allowed to know what he's like. He's invisible. Uh, okay, so this invisible God, um, how does he speak to you? Well, it's inside. It's in my heart and in my mind. Oh right. So this, this God that you can't touch with your hands and you can't see with your eyes and you can't hear with your ears, he's told you we have to leave everything and go. Where are we going, Abraham? Oh, I don't know. He hasn't told me. We're just to go. <laughs> Can you imagine the conversation? And anyway, they went. She went. And she and Abraham walked in the promises of God. Some of them were not fulfilled in their lifetime. It was a journey of faith. And Sarah on this journey knew hope, she knew joy, she knew tears, she knew change, just like us, sounds like us. And then again, just like us, she knew disappointment and frustration of the weight. She made mistakes and she experienced shame. Her own husband gave her to other men. And then she had an ongoing shame because she was barren, she could not have children. And in that culture, that was like disaster. So she actually went through a lot. And I'm just going to pick out a couple of incidents from her journey. My first heading is this, faith when others let you down. 
If we pick up the story in Genesis 12, there's a famine, so they go to Egypt. And remember, Sarah is stunningly beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. What a looker. And Abraham knows two things. One, any man is going to want her. And two, Pharaoh has the power and the authority to just take her. So to save himself and his tribe, Abraham pretends that Sarah is his sister and she has to go along with it. And of course, he's clearly in the wrong here. He forgets the promises of God. He gives in to fear. I don't know if he tried to rationalize it because there was a little bit of truth there. She was related to him, perhaps half-sister, perhaps cousin, we're not quite sure. But he also knew the Egyptians did have a habit of taking what they wanted because people came to them for grain and it had to be paid for. There was a price to pay. So it's very likely what they would have done. They would have killed Abraham and all his tribe and just taken Sarah and the other good-looking women. On top of that, he could rationalise it because the Bible says in verse 16 that Pharaoh treated Abraham well for Sarah's sake and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle. He acquired male and female donkeys. He acquired male and female servants and camels. So he, he must have thought, I'm prospering. So this must be right. This must be okay, right? Well, no, a resounding no, because it was wrong. He was doubting God. And I don't want to dwell on Abraham because I really want to talk about Sarah, but some very quick pointers which are obvious to us all. Number one, trust God. Don't let fear overrule your faith. Number two, prospering in life is not always because you're doing the right stuff. And in the Old Testament, it's a regular complaint. They keep saying, why, Lord, do the wicked prosper? Uh, Jeremiah 12, 1, Psalm 73, verse 3. But God says in Psalm 37, verse 7, wait patiently for the Lord, wait confidently for him. Don't fret over the apparent success of a sinner, a man who carries out wicked schemes. In other words, God's saying, leave it to me. They'll get their comeuppance. You just walk on your journey. The other lesson from Abraham, of course, is you've got to learn from your mistakes. Chapter 20, he repeats the same sin. And this time it's with a king called Abimelech. And again, God has got to go and rescue Sarah. That's Abraham. But I really want to look at Sarah. And I can just admire how she handled this. She had every right to refuse. She had every right to get cross. This was her husband who was supposed to look after her. What is he doing? Why is he being so selfish? Why is he not trusting his God? And where is God in all of this? Why is this thing happening? So she actually had every right to get mad. But it doesn't, doesn't seem to, to say in the Bible that she did so. She hung on. And God actually rescued her. If you look at Genesis 12 and verse 17 to 20, you'll find out that God forced Pharaoh to confront the situation and realize this was somebody else's wife. So what Pharaoh did was he blessed her, he blessed Abraham, and he sent them on their way. But here's the thing. How would you feel if that was you in that situation? That would be terrible. And maybe these kind of things have happened in, in, in some sense. Maybe you've been hurt by someone else's selfish actions. Maybe you've been shamed. Maybe you've been let down. Let's learn from Sarah. Don't let somebody else's poor choices control your life. Don't keep looking back. Try and look forward. Our Jesus, we know he's the redeemer. He redeems. He specializes in redeeming things, bringing beauty out of ashes, good out of bad situations. And check that out in Romans 8 and verse 28. 
So three things we can learn immediately from Sarah under this first heading. Number one, stay faithful when others let you down. Still stand on God's word. Number two, don't let somebody else's selfish choices control your life. Number three, know that our God is always at the work of redemption. He rescued Abraham and Sarah more than once and he rescues us regularly. He knows we're going to get into trouble. He is the Redeemer because he knows our faith is not perfect. So that's some lessons from, from Sarah under the, the heading, Faith When Somebody Lets You Down. My, my second heading is this, Faith in the Waiting Time. See, God had promised Sarah and Abraham a son, but she was barren. And of course, year followed year. And I guess we've all had a waiting time, or maybe you're having one now. There's a time between the promise and the fulfillment. That's a wait. There's a waiting time between the prayer and the answer. There's a, there's a waiting time, and that brings tension. Even now, lockdown's a waiting time. It's hard. There's tensions around. But you imagine waiting 40 years like Sarah for God's promise to come. And it's just so hard to keep faith in that time of tension. Sarah got desperate, and in Genesis 16, she offers her servant Hagar to Abraham to sleep with and make a baby. <clears throat> now, we have to say that is that was common practice in the culture. But of course, it's wrong for them because they put the promise of God that they would have a baby. It would be her baby. See, this is imperfect faith coming through again. Sarah was wrong and Abraham was wrong and he was soft because he didn't say no. He didn't wait for God either. And as you know, the story does not turn out well. You can check that out in um, chapter 16. When Hagar gets pregnant, she starts to look down on Sarah, who feels slighted. The Bible says she felt despised there in verse 4. And the tension got worse, and we see four bad reactions from Sarah, which we can, we can learn from because they're, they're things that we have all done. Number one, she denies responsibility. She shifts the blame onto Abraham. Verse 5, you're responsible for this. Well, the minute we start shifting blame and apportioning blame and not taking responsibility for our own actions, we, we just lose all hope of resolving the conflict. This actually was her idea. What's she doing saying it's him to blame? Number two, she exaggerates. She exaggerates the pain. She says, the wrong I'm suffering. The word she uses for wrong implies violence there in verse five. She exaggerated, and we exaggerate. When you're in an argument, you exaggerate to make your case. Number three, she uses religious language. May the Lord judge between us. Don't bring God into it. That just makes the situation worse when you start quoting God on it. Number four, she lashes out. She's spiteful and she's cruel to Hagar. So bad, that in fact, at the end of verse six, that it says that Hagar fled. Now, to be fair, the Bible does say that Hagar afflicted her in verse 6. But the, the bottom line is, it had been Sarah's idea. So there in four ways, she has bad behaviour. Have you ever done any of these? I bet you have, because we all have. So what can we learn? Number one, well, well it's important we do learn because we're all going to have waiting times and times of tension. So number one, take responsibility for your actions. Avoid these bad reactions. Number two, stay faithful in the waiting time. Look to God. Trust his word. 
Number three, maybe next time you're involved in a conflict situation, or maybe you're involved in one now, there's tension, there's disagreement. Stand back and check your response. Because right through all these things, our faith is imperfect. It's not perfect. And sometimes we don't behave brilliantly. So that's faith in the waiting time. The third thing I want to look at for Sarah is faith when it looks impossible. So we're over in Genesis 18. One day, the, her, and, her and Abraham entertain three strangers. It turns out one of them's along. That's another story. But God says to Abraham in verse 10, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby this time next year. Wow, yes, eventually after all the years of waiting, it's going to happen. But of course, there's a huge problem. Verse 11 tells us they were both old and well advanced in years. And it says also that Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So humanly speaking, making and having a baby was impossible. It's impossible, but not for God. Now, Sarah was actually eavesdropping and she, she just heard this and thought, no way, Jose. And she laughed to herself and she thought, I'm so old and worn out, my husband's old. Are you really telling me I'm going to enjoy sex at my age and have a baby? But the Lord knew her thoughts. And he says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And when she heard this, the Bible says, so Sarah was then afraid and she lied and said, no, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, yes, you did laugh. Can you imagine that if God confronts you after you've laughed at him? Oh, there's two amazing things hit me here. The first is this, only one chapter earlier, God had reiterated his promise that they'd have a son by Sarah and she would become the mother of nations, that kings and peoples would come from her line. One chapter earlier, and how quickly she forgot, and how quickly we forget God, how quickly we doubt him. Why? Simple, because our faith is not perfect. It's amazing how quickly we forget but secondly, what's even more amazing is God's grace. God's grace is incredibly amazing. It's, that's why we call it amazing grace. God ignores her doubt. God ignores her unbelief. God overlooks her laughing at him. And God blessed her. And sure enough, one year later, she gave birth to Isaac. So what can we learn from this one? Well, obviously, don't eavesdrop. But um, three things really, again, number one, nothing's impossible with God. Think about it, these are the same words, that, or more or less the same meaning that the angel Gabriel gave to the Virgin Mary when he appeared to her to tell her she was going to have a baby. Nothing's impossible with God. Number two, God can turn shame and disappointment into laughter and joy. He did it for Sarah, he can do it for you. And thirdly, God's grace is amazing. Sarah got it wrong when she preempted God's plan via Hagar. She doubted God. She laughed at God here. But do you know what? God's bigger than your doubt. And he knows that your faith is imperfect. In fact, Sarah actually gets into the faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11. All these heroes are listed, but she gets there. In verse 11, it says, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed God would keep his promise. She doubted, but 
she believed, did she? Well, my belief is it's all covered by the cross anyway. Jesus took all my sin. He took even the sin of unbelief. He took all my shame, all my guilt and all my sins. So she can, she can get in the hall of faith on that basis. But more than that, I saw something the other day just reading the story of Jairus. Remember Jairus, the, the head of a synagogue? His daughter was dying and he comes along, he humbles himself at Jesus' feet. He must have been full of hope when he found Jesus in all the crowds. He must have been full of hope when Jesus agreed to come. And his faith would have been boosted when he saw the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment and immediately she was healed. The flow of blood from her stopped. He must have been on a high. This Jesus is the real deal. But then some men came direct from his house. You can check this out yourself in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 5. Some men came from his house saying, it's too late and she's dead. And that must have been like a dagger in Jairus' heart. We're not told in the Bible what he felt, but we can imagine he was human. So if it was anything like us, they would, his, his daughter was dead. There'd be fear, there'd be anguish, there'd be despair. Hope would evaporate, faith would fade. But somewhere deep down, a little flame of faith must have been burning. Because Jesus said something in Mark 5, verse 36, that's very interesting. Keep on believing. Don't give in to fear. Keep on believing. It's present continuous tense. Keep on believing. Keep on. So there must have been something there for him to keep on. And to me, it's the sort of thing the Bible kind of means when it, when it says in Romans 4.18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing he'd become the father of many nations. And that's a great message today as well. Keep on hoping, even when it looks impossible. So let's try and pull this together then. That, that's Sarah. That's a story of faith when you're let down. Faith when it looks impossible. And faith in the waiting time. And I said earlier, the waiting time is hard. She waited for many years. We are in the gap between the ascension and the second coming. We're in the gap between the now of the kingdom of God and the not yet in its fullness of the kingdom of God. We're in the gap between prayer and answer to prayer. And of course, we're all waiting for lockdown to ease. We're waiting. And in that time, for some of us, our faith has wobbled because it's tough. But you know what? God understands. So be encouraged. Sarah's story underlines that faith can be imperfect. That's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Sure, we need to grow in faith. 2 Corinthians 10, 15 says grow in faith. We need to develop our faith. But let me say this. Growing in faith is not a straight line experience. There'll be stumbles along the way, as Sarah had. If you want proof, Check out Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame. Look at the people who are there, Abraham, Moses, Gideon, and so on. And they all faltered. Like us, they all had times of foolishness or doubt or unbelief. Why? Because faith is imperfect and God knows that. But of course, what we mustn't do is focus on my faith. If I keep saying, saying, I've got my faith, I've got to have more faith, I've got to have more faith, I've got to get more faith, my faith's got to be stronger. 
you got your eyes in the wrong place. If I do that, if I'm just faith conscious all the time, that's putting the onus on me. The person who does these things is our amazing God, who has amazing grace. And let me tell you this, we should focus on Jesus because there's only one author and perfecter of our faith, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Saviour. Focus on him, not on your own faith. So my prayer this morning is that you'll be inspired, you'll be encouraged by Sarah, whether you're in the waiting time, whether you've been let down by someone, whether your faith has faltered, be encouraged. Yes, her faith was a bit up and down, but she hung in there. And in time, she did become the mother of a nation. She did become the ancestor of Jesus. She did become the role model from 1 Peter chapter 3. And she is in the hall of fame in Hebrews 11. So my message today, friends, is this. Your faith may not be perfect, but hang in there like Sarah and let the author and perfecter of your faith do his work in you. Be blessed. Amen.